Is it on? Yes. It's on and running. Oh, oh, oh dear. Oh, Phil. <laughs> okay, so we're expecting to hear about Jesus. Good, well done. How do you power? Sorry? Love power. Oh, God's power. Okay, which is probably the same thing, but... Okay, these are, these are very vague. Miracles. Miracles, come on, that's better. Testimony. Resurrection. Sorry? Words of wisdom. Courage. Battle. Battle. Life changing challenge. Life changing challenge. <laughs> Is anybody thinking of healing? Are healing and miracles the same thing? That gives you something to go away and think about later on. They're two different gifts, so. In 1992, Larry Dean and his wife Linda completed the building of the biggest house in Atlanta, Georgia. Larry had come a long way from the house he was born in, which was a house with no indoor plumbing, and he was now building a mansion of 32,000 square feet. The outside of the house was the colour of a salmon moose. The interiors of the house were designed by the Dean's 21-year-old design student son, Chris. It was to be extravagant in the extreme. Each room was designed to have its own focus. So this is where you now to need to use your imagination. So there were rooms that were done in a Moroccan style, Egyptian, Oriental, Hawaiian art gallery, a game room as a 1950s diner, a Malachite bathroom, silver suite, raspberry coloured kitchen, old English bedroom. You get the picture. <clears throat> Who wants a house like this? <laughs> there were also lots of design flourishes around the building of, and some of these things, I'm not quite sure what they are, but still, tritons, Unicorns, dolphins, jukeboxes, water jets, topiary, astrolabes, uh, not sure what that is, some sort of tassels, flounces, marble, damask leather, abstraction, tromp lol statuary, four poster leopard skin and zebra skin pediments, Corinthian, Ionic and Doric pillars, stars, moons, mosque lights, neon globes, stripes, peacocks, pianos, chandeliers, chandeliers and more chandeliers, gold, gold, more gold and a decorated camel. <laughs> In 1993, a year after the house was finished, the marriage broke up. Trying to build a home the home life had been neglected. The one thing to make a house a home was missed out on with catastrophic consequences. The house was bought some years later by somebody else who demolished it. It was too hideous for a hotel, I think. So my subject is power. And I've heard loads of sermons on power. I've done a few myself, and they always do the same thing. 
Jesus worked in power. We can work in power. Here's some examples of Christians performing miracles and healing, such as Smith Wigglesworth and so forth, and all very inspiring. But it's been my experience to see that that, as far as I can see, has never motivated anybody for a pursuit of the power of God, which results in miracles and healings and so forth being performed. And that was in my mind when I came to this. Last week, Sam and Ian spoke on fruits of the Spirit and change. And it was during Ian's testimony that I just had this spark of what to do today. He said something like, well, by the way, just to say that, because it was Ian's testimony that sparked me, if it's awful, it's his fault. (laughs) And he's... (laughs) He said something like, I sought God for myself and it has changed me. And that really kind of sparked me into thinking, so if we want power, what's the root to it? If we want to build a home, it's not the building that's important, it's the relationship that's going to be within the home, in the house. (laughs) If we want to move in power, miracles, healings and so forth, it's not the works that will matter, it's the relationship that will matter. So if you would like to turn to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38... And we will see what the word of God should say. Luke 10, verse 38. And it's on your screen if you need it. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So here we are. One thing is necessary the bible tells you one thing is necessary Uh, yeah so firstly i want to give you the context of this because when we're reading the bible sometimes we end up thinking about one or two verses and we miss out on the context coming up to it and beyond it so i'm just going to cut across that so the context of martha and mary is this before this in the beginning of chapter 10 Jesus sends out the 72 and they're going out to tell people to perform miracles and so forth. Then Jesus speaks to the cities that reject the gospel. Then the 72 return. What should they rejoice in? That their names are in the book of life. Not the miracles that they did because they saw miracles, they saw amazing things but that's not what you rejoice in. You rejoice in the fact that your name is in the book of life. It's actually those whom Jesus knows. We'll come to that in a bit. How do you get to be known by Jesus? Well, the one thing is necessary. And then Jesus talks about the Father's will. 
Understanding comes from revelation. Revelation comes by the Spirit of God. And then we get a parable about the Good Samaritan. Who is it that God's going to recognize? Somebody who is doing the heart of God. And then we come to the one thing is necessary. After which, we get the Lord's Prayer, which is about what? No. Relationship. Now, prayer might also equal relationship. But it's about relationship. Our Father. Our Father. We relate to Him. We've got a relationship with Him. Then, it's about spiritual warfare, about cleaning the house. Then it's about true blessings, which come from doing, not just hearing. But you have to hear, and then go out and do it in the heart of God. Then there's talk about the sign of Jonah, which usually confuses everybody. But that's about judgment and repentance on the cities that accept God and don't accept God. And then, bring your light out from under the basket and let your light shine. So if you look through this and you studied through it, you will find that there's a moving towards this centre of there is one thing necessary. <clears throat> the gospel will be sent out. Cities will either accept, like Nineveh did when Jonah came, or reject, as Sodom and Gomorrah did. But you, believer, rejoice that you are known by God and do the Father's will as the Good Samaritan did. As you spend your time praying and relating to him, so your house will get cleaned, and if you do the will of God, you will be truly blessed. And I tell you, let your light shine. What's going to make that happen? One thing is necessary. If you wanted to perform healing, if you want to set the captives free, if you want to see people saved, if you want to speak prophecy, if you want to perform miracles, one thing is necessary. A relationship with the living God. Now, is it possible to perform miracles without relationship to God? Yes. The Egyptian sorcerers managed it. And there were others who were going around performing kind of acts of power. Is it possible? Yes. And in 1 Corinthians 13, you're told, if I perform all kinds of miracles, but I don't have love, it's nothing. So there is one thing necessary. And they're all going to all these things, healing, set the captives free, seeing people get saved, prophecy, miracles, power, all come from one source, the Holy Spirit. <coughs> so it's a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit that we need if we want to perform acts of power. So the one thing necessary is this, you and I must spend time in relationship with the Lord. Not going through the motions. Not some sort of tick box quiet time. But learning to be intimate with God. That's speaking, yes, but it's listening. And hearing and wrestling. And learning to walk in that relationship with God where you know who you are because he's your father. And you know the voice of God because my sheep know my voice. So I'm going to give you three E's. E's are good, for those that remember some song or other about drugs. But E number one, essentials. What about the essentials? 
If Jesus says one thing is necessary, then the way to know God's will, the way to work God's works and to be fruitful, are going to follow doing that one thing necessary. Because God is faithful to his word. If you just turn back to Matthew chapter 7. And verse 21. I want to show you how important this is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now that ought to terrify us to our soul. Did I not do this in your name? Did I not perform miracles and healing and set the captives free in your name? And that Jesus is going to say, but I did not know you. This is about relationship. This is about the one thing necessary. And if we don't get this, we do not want to be in this situation when Jesus says, I don't know you. It's scary to think that you can go around doing these things in his name and not have a relationship with him. But it is evidently possible. Now if you turn back to Jeremiah, and chapter 9, In Jeremiah, what's happening is this. The people have rebelled against God so much that God is now speaking to them that they are going to go into exile. They cannot escape it. It won't matter what they do. They are heading off into exile. It won't matter how they rage against it. It is going to happen because God has said that it will happen. But in the midst of it, God also brings the people up to speed with where they're really at. And he says this in chapter 9, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What was happening was the people were going on about their wisdom, their power, their wealth. But there's no relationship with God. And God wants us to understand and know him. That's what this is about. So we can get our focus on power. If I'm honest, that's the wrong focus. If we want to move in power... There's one thing necessary. A relationship with God. Don't you want to stand in judgment day and Jesus say, I know who you are. That should be our heart's desire. That Jesus knows who we are. Do all the powerful, mighty things you like. 
without relationship with Jesus, I'm afraid it will be worthless. If you can do miracles, but not love, it's nothing. Love is a fruit of the Spirit, and that comes from developing a relationship with God. Now, my own testimony is this. For 30 years as a Christian, I have been responsible in church life for something. Kids work, youth work, small groups, preaching, teaching theology, leading meetings, ministry teams, elder, lead elder. And then during the part of last year, suddenly it became clear that I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything. I'd been responsible for something for 30 years. And then I had nothing. I raged about it. Because that's my way generally. I raged about it. And you know when you're having a good moan and a good rage full of justifiable complaining that there's one person who is irritating beyond belief with their gentle wisdom that brings the truth to you in a way that you don't want to hear but you just can't help it because you know and you can hear that they're right and it takes the wind right out of your moany sails and you're face to face with the reality of who you are. Nigel is that person for me. Oh, so annoying. Do you know how it is? Do you have people like that? Is it Nigel for you as well? Was I justifiably moaning? And he said something like, sounds to me like you find your identity in what you do rather than in your relationship with God. Thanks so much for that. (laughs) And it caused me to go away and think, was that true? Is that what's happened to me? I started worrying more about what I'm doing and the position I appear to have rather than my relationship with God. And then you have to face face with reality. Is that true? I'm afraid it is. And so it set me on a path of actually kind of almost feeling like I was going to disappear for a bit because I needed to find God again. And I started reading through Jeremiah. And so the passage I've read to you is something that kind of God brought to me. As I read through Jeremiah, I'm only at chapter 10. It's taken me months to get that far. Because actually God's speaking out of it. And I'm learning to find that actually what matters is my relationship with God. It's not what I'm doing, it's who I'm relating to. So hopefully this will also help you. Sometimes we've got our eyes fixed on the wrong things. That's true for me. And actually now I feel so much happier. I don't have anything to do. I'm not responsible for anything. And I've enjoyed it. I didn't think I would. But actually I am. What do we do then? Well, first thing is, we need to set time to spend with God. And so, uh, after lunch, every day, because I happen to be in that kind of situation, that's what I do. I spend time with God. I kind of reckon on it being about half an hour, but it could be longer, might be shorter. Who knows? It just depends what's going on. 
There's the discipline to be consistently and diligently committed to spending time with God. I write notes to myself of, of what God's saying so that I don't take it for granted. I don't just go through the motions of it. I'm trying to get to grips with it. And listen, I also, at the end of it, stop and say, Lord, is there anything that you want to say to me? And I don't speak. That's not easy for me because I'm speaking all the time. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been most of your time alone as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many lovely people around here. Uh, you see, it's essential that we have intimacy with God. It's essential. This is not something you can get by with without. This is essential. If this church is to grow, if this church is to impact Faversham, then actually the key to all of this, if there is such a thing, is that we all spend time with God. Is he going to say a different thing to all of us? No. He'll speak consistently and clearly to us. Do you want this church to impact Faversham? Do you want Faversham to be turned upside down, as Acts tells you, that's what the disciples did? then an intimate relationship with God is essential. It won't happen any other way. Secondly, the second E, is enjoy the relationship. Enjoy it. In The King and I, I think I'm right about this, I really hope so. In The King and I, Maria, after meeting the king, Yul Brynner, suddenly bursts into song, saying, getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Have I got the right musical? Yeah. Okay. It is obviously questionable whether musicals are from God or not, but necessarily there is a truth within it. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. How long does relationship take? Lifetime. You can think you know, and then different things come out of it. The point of relationship is to enjoy the other person. There's no, more reason, no reason more important than knowing another for the joy of it. Getting to know that person is a joy. Hopefully. You'll find out that they also annoy you and irritate you. But actually, in a way where it doesn't matter. Because there's something greater about them that you want to be with. One thing necessary Getting to know God because it's a joy to know him. Not because you want power. Not because you want this or that. But because you want to know the Father in heaven. The one who made you, actually. The one who knit you together as you are. Perfectly. You're not a mistake, are you? You're exactly the way God wanted you to be. And he loves you. And you know what? The greatest thing on the heart of God is he wants to know you. It's not like God saying, you know, I want to know them, but I'm not so sure about you. That isn't how it is. God wants to know you and spend time with you. It thrills the heart of God when we come and be with him. I feel God says to me, oh, my son, you're with me today. And he loves to see me. You know, other people might feel a bit, well dubious about whether they want to see me but God doesn't he doesn't feel like that he's thrilled to be with me and you 
God loves you with an everlasting love. But more than that, God loves you with an intimate love. He wants to spend time with you. This is the one thing necessary. Now, I read a commentary on this before I can, and I've got to be honest, some commentators, you wonder where they are. They felt that Mary had taken the place of a man, and that's what Martha was complaining about. That's us hogwash. This is about the one thing that's important, more than doing all the necessary things, which is what Martha was doing, the one thing necessary is to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, I like to <coughs> laugh, but spending time with people like Dave Hewson, Barry Jenner and Alan Hopkins, none of whom are here today, which makes me wonder, did they know I was speaking or something? But when I'm with them, all we do is laugh. But that's not why I spend time with them. I spend time with them because I love them. They're lovely guys to be with. They're interesting. They've got things they can tell you. They've got wisdom they can tell you. And they're quite happy to tell you the different disasters of life that they've had. But these guys are just lovely guys. And I love spending time with them. Laughing is the effect of spending time with them. And the effect of spending time with Jesus is this. You will do the works that he wants you to do. That will come out of this. But relationship with God for itself, (coughs) listening to him, is the joy in itself. Other things will come from it. I'm finding that deep joy of knowing God and being known by him. And I want him at the end to say, I know who you are. That's become all important to me. Because it's come home the gravity of being able to work in these things without knowing him. So how important is it to get to know God? So essentials. It is essential to have intimacy with God. We enjoy the relationship with God. And thirdly, there are the effects, the outworkings of the relationship. So in relationships, there is talking, listening, responding. In relationship with God... There is also being a doer and not just a listener of his word. And I have found this still quiet voice of the Lord to be wonderfully effective. And so, just before Christmas, as I was spending time with God, I praying and listening, I felt prompted to give some consideration to Stacey's spiritual life. And what I considered was that she might need a bit of help. I didn't particularly have a reason for that. I hadn't talked to her about it. But I just felt she might need a bit of help. So I talked to Ruth about it. Now, I talked to Ruth about it because she's the wise one. I'm the one who's prepared to blunder in and see what happens. And she's the one who helps me get it straight. So she's the wise one. So I talked to her about it. And after that, I asked Stacey if she would like on a daily basis through the week, to have a Bible study and a a quiet time with me. 
And she said she would love to do that, which was nice, nice response. And we'll see how it goes. Well, it has been wonderful. It's done something for her, but it's done something for me. But we've talked a lot about the things that are going around our mind. What about her boyfriend, Chris? What about him? What about prayer? How does God move? Why did they do this? So we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and it's been fantastic. And we discuss it, and we pray. We read a section of Mark each weekday. We discuss it, and we pray. We have seen answers to prayer. It has reignited Stacey's spiritual life. It has brought me great joy. All from spending time with God. If you want fruitfulness in your life, if you want people to get saved, if you want to perform healing, if you want to see the captive set free, if you want to perform miracles, if you want to step out in any way, one thing is necessary. A sermon about power, this is a sermon about power. The power of an intimate relationship with God. We're going to come back and worship now. And during that, we're looking to really connect with the heart of God. All you need to do is this. Say, Lord, I am available to you. I want to meet with you. And a bit later on, so toward the end of the worship, there's going to be an opportunity to respond now you might meet with God during the worship which would be fantastic but there will also be an opportunity to respond and perhaps get prayer should you need that but we want to meet with God today don't we because that's what it's really about why are you here if you're here to meet with one another this is a social club if you're here to meet with God this is church that's who we're supposed to be. So let us meet together with God. I'm going to hand over to Adam. But this is about us stepping into our relationship with God. So shall we do that? Are you ready, Adam? <laughs>